New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Ronita Johnson, and she is the author of Coming to Forgiveness, A Daughter's Story of Race, Rage, and Religion. Ronita, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's wonderful to be here. It's grand to have you. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Ronita, race, rage, and religion. Mm, These are very interesting (laughs) words that you've put into the subtitle of your book. So tell us, what do you mean by race, rage, and religion, putting those words together? The three R's. Well, you know, when I moved from San Francisco to the South, to Northern Louisiana, I didn't know that I was a a colored child. How Um, old were you? I was five. We had lived in San Francisco and we moved to uh, Minden, Louisiana, and it was maybe a week before I realized that I wasn't like everybody else. I mean, I was called the N-word right away in a grocery store when I tried to drink out the the water fountain. And And the water fountain said white and the other one said colored. colored. Yes. And of course, the colored water fountain was full of crud. And who would want to drink out of that? And then there was this other water fountain that looked really nice and clean, and cleanliness was next to godliness. So, of course, I I, I selected that one, and boy, was I in for a surprise. And so uh, at the tender age of five, I realized that I wasn't like everybody else, and race permeated my life for a long time. Can you say about what year this was when you first moved to Louisiana? This was 1953. 1953. Mm -hmm. And this was before the civil rights movement had really started to to engage. It was right in the beginning. Uh, Things were percolating and I actually lived in the South doing the whole, a a lot of the civil rights movement. I was there until 1963. So I was there with the dogs and the hoes and the marches, and my father was very active. So race became a real fabric of my life. And then the rage happened because my father was a disciplinarian and he was also a minister. And so I had to toe the line. I had to be the example of the Christian little child for everyone to see. And when I didn't behave, and I was a willful child with a lot of questions and a lot of curiosity. You were spirited. I was really, really spirited. And I don't know why um, God put me in this family, but God did. And, And boy, did I get in a lot of trouble because I just didn't understand a lot of things about life. And I wanted to know how things worked and my father wasn't having it. So, so, he wasn't having your questions. He didn't want to answer questions. He, if you... he wasn't having my questions and he wasn't having my will because I didn't believe everything that I was told. And so I would ask questions politely, but I would ask. And it got me in a lot of trouble from a disciplinarian perspective. But eventually that also turned into rage. You also had some molestation happen at a very young age. I did. I was almost five years old 
when I was molested. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I, I knew that it was a bad thing. And No, this wasn't your father. Any- no, this was the neighbor, the lady who would keep us when my family was gone. She would keep me because it was just me. And he he was a lot older than I was. And I didn't tell my mother because he threatened me and he told me if I did, he would do it to me again. We moved not too long after that, but that molestation stayed with me forever and made me think that I was a really terrible person. And what I've understood now is that there are so many women and men who have been molested. And this is something that we often don't talk about. And it was really important that I I put it in the book because looking at me or talking to me or seeing me professionally or seeing me in a, a spiritual or religious setting, you would never know. So it's important that we talk about these things that are hidden because from the hidden place, we often abuse ourselves and we find that we're unworthy. So it's important for us to tell our stories. Rodina, how long did it take you to write this book and why did you write this book? Oh my goodness. It took me a long time to write this book because I didn't want to write an angry book. I wanted to write a book full of love and compassion and understanding. I mean, I told my story and I told my truth, but I think the reader will see that I told it with a lot of love and compassion. To actually write the book, it took me about five years. But it took you a lifetime to get to where you weren't angry, huh? Yes, because it was important that I write a loving, compassionate, understanding book and not one that was angry because I felt there were enough angry stories and enough angry books out in the world. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have done my healing work. And I'm just grateful that that happened and happened in a circle, in a women's circle. Ronita, how, uh, because this book is very personal and you reveal lots of incidents in your life and it naturally includes your family. How has your family responded to this book? I have to tell you the truth. My mother is, uh, will be 90 next year. And some of the waiting was that. And your um, father has passed away. My father passed away. And, um, I was just waiting, waiting. Not that I was wanting my mother to die or anything, but I didn't know how she would be with the story because I was telling my truth. And she knew I was writing the story and my whole family knew. But there was a newspaper article that came out ahead of the book. And uh, I did share some of the parts of the book that had to do with my father and the people in the community, because they knew my father, started calling her and she was very upset. She didn't speak to me for about six weeks. And so finally, uh, I wrote her some letters and tried to explain to her why it was important that not only I share the story, but that why I had named the story forgiveness, because I feel forgiveness work is very important. And so we were able to sit down and talk about it. She hadn't read the book at that time. But she, you know, she gave me her opinion that she just didn't think it was something that I should do. She said she was going to write a rebuttal book, and I encouraged her to do it. But then she did read it, and she was upset again that I had told my perspective, which was very different from hers. But you know where we are now. We're back to where we were, and she's accepted that this is my story. It's not the way she remembered it but it's the way that I remembered it. And you know, her philosophy is that you don't tell the family secrets. And I think that's a reason why a lot of people don't tell their story is because there is the fear 
that their family might disown them or that they won't speak to them. And I had a little of that fear too, but and you tell have him, a brother and a sister. Too. I do. I have a brother and a sister. My brother was fine with it right from the beginning. And there's not a lot about the things that happened with my sister, even though there were a few things that I had said I wanted to put in the book about her. Originally, she asked me not to. The story is not about my brother and my sister, so I was very respectful with them. It was important that I say the things that I did about my mother because, you know, she was my mother. Of course. Yes. So say something about your forgiveness work, the importance of forgiveness and how we can incorporate forgiveness in our own lives. Well, I think it's important that we turn the volume up around forgiveness. Um, when I talk to people, they really don't have a forgiveness practice and they don't even know how they define forgiveness. And they ask me to define it. And what I like to do is say, you know, forgiveness is very personal and it also can be very complex and complicated depending on what happened. And uh, what I have encouraged people to do is to really sit in a place of coming up with their own definition and coming up with their own practice. For me, it's about acknowledging what happened, making peace with what happened, and then letting it be. Because I'm not letting it go. You, you said letting it be. And that's very different than forgetting about it. Yes, because I'll never forget about it. It's a part of who I am. Every experience that we have is a part of who we are today. And so I take it with me, but I have a different way of being with it. I feel differently about it. I feel compassion about it, and it happened. It's part of my story. It's part of my journey. I don't think I would be talking to you right now had I not had what happened to me happen to me. So I have to give it some acknowledgement, really, for my path. This is the way that I was to go. And so I'm not saying I'm going to be grateful for it and that, ha-ha, I'm glad I wasn't molested, not that way. But I have to believe that all those things helped me to be the person that I am today. And I like me, so. Ronita, can you describe, I'm calling it circle work, what that is and how that's important to you? Well, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge the elder in my chakra circles. By the way, I'm in four circles and, uh, you know, my husband sometimes says, oh, there she goes again. But it's so important to me. And I continue to remember the quote that uh, Ann Dozier, who's in one of my circles, said that it's the birthplace of the new human. I was listened into myself. I heard myself. I heard my voice that had been hidden for so many many decades for the first time in circle. And it's this place of not only the practice of these very deep qualities of deep listening and suspending my judgments and, and telling my story over and over again until it's transformed and in fact transmuted. But it's also in a circle. So there's no hierarchy. Everyone is the same. We all take responsibility for the depth of the circle. We take responsibility for speaking what's important to us, both thinking about us uh, ourselves from a personal perspective and in terms of all one, all one collective. And I don't know any other place where you can be nurtured and nourished as you can in a circle setting. And so it has really become a place where I have grown into myself and over time, my friends have said to me, 
you really have changed. And they're like, I want some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so it helped you with some of your rage. and It softened me up. It, it, it allowed me to turn myself inside out and to see the places within me that were really damaged and broken. The places of blame and bitterness and shame and unworthiness. And I found myself in a circle. And there, there may be other places where that can happen. But for me, for my soul, for my spirit, for my heart, this was the place that I was led to. And I'm just in a place of deep appreciation. Well, Ronina, I'm just in a deep appreciation for you and your life and your contribution to all of us, both in this book and with your work. And if people would like to find that work, you do a regular blog on your website, don't you? I do. I do a regular blog. I also have a monthly circle of forgiveness where we talk about relationships with mothers and fathers and with ourselves. We talk about the role of materialism. We talk about spirituality and religion. So, you know, all the things that are in my book, race and rage, also talked about in these circles. And so it's a place for us to come together in a circle setting and, and really listen and be with each other. So if people are near the Berkeley, California area, they might be able to come to that circle? Absolutely. The third Wednesday of every month. And I would love to see anyone who would like to come. Great. If you'd like to be in touch with Renita and look at her schedule and, and know more about her work and her book, you can go to her website. That's www.comingtoforgiveness.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Ronita is the author of Coming to Forgiveness, A Daughter's Story of Race, Rage, and Religion. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.